It's the Daily Talk Show, episode 818. And we've got a special guest, comedian Steph Tisdell, joining us from Brizzy with a bird on her shoulder. Steph, how are you? (laughs) I'm good, thanks. How are you fellas? 818, by the way, that is insanity. Yeah, it is. It's a little bit crazy. I mean... (laughs) I mean, that's normal to us. Is it normal for the bird, for, for you having a bird on your, on your shoulder? Can you paint the picture for our listeners? Well, I got this bird with my partner. How long ago did we get you? Like a month ago. Okay. He's obsessed with my mouth. This is going to be the entire podcast. <laughs> it's just him at my mouth. Um, we bought him about a month ago. He thinks he owns the joint. He's kind of right. Like, he's, he's so spoiled. And my cat's I mean, right you- here as well. I don't know if you can see the cat. There she is. And so getting, getting a bird, getting a bird yeah. and a cat is that is that risky business? No, this cat. Well, I've got this is the best cat in the world, and she's old too, and he loves her, but mm-hmm. she's shit scared of him, which is you know funny because doesn't isn't what would happen in the wild, is it? I mean, it's nice to see a, the four-week friendship of uh, what it could be with a bird. I mean, you're already on kissing terms. How yep, trained is the bird? <laughs> when you purchase the bird, what is, is it Can pre-trained or do you have <laughs> slightly? I mean, it is pecking at your ears. <laughs> how, do you, how much training um, do you have to do for a bird? He was hand-reared, um, which means from a baby he was like, Oh, my God, stop it, Albie. <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous, um, which means, yeah, so he was hand-read. So when he came out of his little egg, he was, like, held and looked after by humans. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. that's it. It's gone now. That's it. I'm only listening on this one now. That's what you've done, Albie. The bird is uh, – what's, what's the bird's name? Aldi? Are you saying Aldi? Albie. 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 I thought you loved Aldi. I, <laughs> I first uh, – I wanted to name him Michael Parkinson and Parky for sure. Yeah. Because I thought it was funny, yeah. Parky the parrot. Yeah. And then be like, Michael be Parkinson great. when he was being naughty. But – So is this what you expected? Um, I mean, being in Brizzy – I think like we're in Victoria, so shit's obviously hit the fan and we're yeah. all at home. What is it like for you being a stand-up comedian uh, in 2020? Um, it's a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> I really, like I'll be honest, because I'm missing crowds. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, this is how I have to Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. This. You look like a oh, DJ. Right. You're currently you're protecting your- Oh, my God, your, he's uh, biting me. Do you need to put, put uh, Albie away or is it, is it no. okay? No, you're all good. Yeah. Oh my god! Stop it! <laughs> if you're not if you're not watching this, do yourself a favour. Go on YouTube and watch it. And so, Stop tw- it. and so, 2020. Um, did you think that you were going to have a bird, or or is this is this an ISO purchase? <laughs> um, no, I've wanted a bird for ages. Mm-hmm. Fuck off! No, nah, you know what? <laughs> hey, hey, step up! Step, step up! up step up! Step up, <laughs> you little shit. This is what I'm supposed to do to oh, this step is up. great. This is like when a parent's losing their mind step at their up. kid and you just sort of watch on. Step up. <laughs> I'll be. Oh, step up not to fight but step up onto <laughs> yeah. her hand, she's saying. Yeah. Step up. Thank you. This is Good great. Oh, stepped up. Yeah. There we go. Right. Now throw. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That, that, that's, that's perfect. And so that's 2020, give, give um, us a bit of a monologue on 2020. How are you feeling? What's going on? Well, I just it just kind of sucks because like 
like this is so self-indulgent, I recognise mm-hmm. that, right? But this was supposed to be my year to finally break through and I'll I'll put it bluntly, I was going to make money for the first time yeah. ever in uh-huh. my comedy career um, and then I lost all of my work and it's just shat on me. Um, <laughs> finishing 2020 strong. So, um, so you're expecting, so January, what did January look like for you and then when did you get a feeling that things were changing? Well, I, um, I found out that I was going to be hosting the Melbourne Comedy Festival Gala, which is obviously so huge, mm-hmm. mm. um, like both as a professional thing and a, a personal, you know, like just I I cried and I was so excited. So that was supposed to happen in end of March, start of April. Um, January I was in Perth, February I was in Adelaide and then March everything was sort of supposed to kick off and I was meant to be in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when it all kind of turned to shit. Like it was kind of like um, it had all started and nobody was really sure what was going to happen. So end of March, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I came back from Adelaide, I think I did two shows in Brisbane for Brisbane Comedy Festival and then, but like nobody was really showing up. So I'd sold out all the nights, but they were like empty audiences because they were like, oh, you know, try and stay away from people. And then I think the... um. The Monday, so I finished the run on Sunday and on the Monday they said no groups of more than however many people it was and it was just like, <sighs> um, mm. yeah. But, like, I mean, it's it's really forced me to diversify, I guess. I think, um, I think it's also really good because, like, I'm looking into my psyche a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know that mm. sounds a bit silly, but kind of discovering a little bit more about myself and... Um, I think when you've got so much free time, you just naturally, if you want to keep on progressing and growing, you just do that, I guess. Mm-hmm. What have you learnt about having having the thought in your mind that 2020 is going to be the year you're going to make money or, you know, the year that you'll sort of yeah. break out versus not doing it? What is the learning in having that thought about what a year will give you before you've even gone through it? Um, I don't I Like, I just really went... And started like I just was like, all right, well, I have other talents and other creative things that I can try. It just pecked my eye. Um, I'll do that and um, see where I end up. And um, I've actually been writing more. I think I don't know. It's just I realised as well that this isn't about money for me. So I I needed to. I think the idea of Finally making money for the first time was a big idea, but I haven't been doing this because I wanted to make money because if you get into comedy for money, then you're a fuckwit. (laughs) Oh, sorry, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, you can. You can swear. Can you go back to your first ever time on stage as a stand-up comedian? Yeah. Um, So, Albie. Albie. Oh, my fucking God. (laughs) This is what this whole thing's going to be. And he growled at me. You, you can put it in a cage. Yeah, you can. Well, maybe put we can cut it. We can cut to, cut to me so that you can you can do your thing, step and move up. around and get it done. Step up. You can so really currently, Albie, the bird. Uh, yeah, she, she's. <laughs> I'm really bad at discipline. Albie, Albie. She's got the wooden step spoon. Yeah, do you want? Yeah, go. Yeah, it's fine. You can do your thing. There you go. 
TJ, did you no, ever have pretty- Tommy? Have you ever had a pet bird before? No. Funny story. My auntie. It's her birthday today, actually. A bit of message her. Uh, came to our front door uh, when it was my birthday, and Dad opened the front door, and there's my auntie standing with a a, a budgie in a cage, and my dad said. Absolutely not. <laughs> he's got something about birds being in cages, and he said, "Absolutely not." And and to be fair, I think if it was probably something like a a parrot that it's trained that can walk around, and mm-hmm. but this was one of those small, just colourful ones that just sits there all day chirping. And Wait, you so, so was it a out. gift for you, Tommy? Or it what? was a gift. It was a gift for me for my birthday. <laughs> and Dad said, "Absolutely not. Take that home." And so that's it. Didn't get one. Never got a bird. This is the closest I've come to having a bird yeah. on the daily talk show. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, and pain so, in the ass. Right, so I, Albie's I, away, so we can, we, we can make it uh, about you against Steph. So the first time <laughs> you're, you're, you're on stage uh, as a stand-up comedian, when was it? Um, so, well, this is a hard question to answer because the first time that I ever did comedy on a stage uh, was because I was living I've got a tattoo of a snowman saying why not. I don't know if mm-hmm. you can see it very well. Yeah. It's kind of um, – and it's basically – I went through a really rough time uh, during uni and I kind of had like a bit of an existential crisis and I was like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. Like this isn't what I thought I wanted to do with my life. Um, what were you and studying? I was just um, law and journalism mm-hmm. and um, – I was just really panicking and I just had a lot of issues with mental health and then I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm never going to learn what... Because I used to have, like, five panic attacks a day. I wasn't leaving the house and it was just really shit. And I was like, I'm never going to learn what I'm capable of unless I remove the safety blanket and force myself to fucking swim. Mm -hmm. Um, Those two metaphors didn't work, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, And so I... Just was like, I'm going to do something that scares the shit out of me and show me that I'm capable of it. So I uh, booked return flights into London um, for four months and no accommodation and just was like, I'll just fucking figure it out. And, I mean, it's a long story, but I'm not going to tell the whole story. But basically by about halfway through the time there, uh, I had had this crazy meeting with somebody who was who was talking about how you know, you need to be present and live in the moment and um, you should say why not to any opportunity that comes along your way. And it was not long after Yes Man came out and I was like, oh, my God, I love that. And I had <laughs> rules for myself. Like I didn't want to do hard drugs. I didn't want to be arrested. I didn't want to get um, – uh, I didn't want to die. And then but anything else I had to say yes to. So everyone who I'd meet, I'd tell them this story and I'd ask them to do things that used to scare them and we'd just do cool shit and – one night it all culminated. I was in Ireland and um, I was in Dublin and I was telling a story to this group of mates that I'd made. And one of them goes, Steph, you're really funny. You should do stand-up. And I was like, fuck that. No way. Can't think of anything I would least, you know, like that I would rather not do in my life. And she went, oh, my God, wait, you have that tattoo. And I was like, oh, please don't make me do this, but... She was like, well, you're not going to die and you're not going to do drugs and you're not going to get arrested, so why not? And I was like, fuck, all right. Um, and so I just went to a random pub in Dublin and got fucking hammered. I don't drink anymore, but I, just, I like I drank like a bottle of vodka. Nah, it was less than that. But anyway, you know, I'm exaggerating. But <laughs> I got really drunk and then I just walked into a bar and, and I said, look, um, do you have a 
stage? Do you do stand-up comedy here? And he's like, no. And I went, do you have a microphone? And he was like, no, why? And I went, no reason. And then I just stood <laughs> up on a chair and I just was like, look, guys, I've got this thing to do. I guess you can, you know, pretend it's like it's on my bucket list. If I'm any good, buy me a drink. If I'm shit, I'll definitely know. Um, and then I just riffed like 10 minutes of comedy and funny stories about my life and um, yeah, I had drinks from everyone in the bar. I mean, it was it was after quite a having small the bar. bottle. It would have been, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Did but you that was literally walk like out of the bar shots. or get carried out? <laughs> Fuck no! I don't even remember what happened after that. I'll be honest. You sure it was a bar? It was like twelve shots. <laughs> there was like twelve um, shots on the bar, and um, yeah. So, and then I, I, I was like, I can't believe that was like. And my friend was like, the fuck? That was actually. Like you looked like you'd done that before. I was like, did I? And then so I done, I did um an open mic night in Brisbane, and um the host was uh, Lindsay Webb actually, and he said, well, if that was your first time, everybody else should probably reconsider. <laughs> and um and like because you know like when I did my first proper time, I guess back in Brisbane. Yeah. Um and then I just kind of did spots here and there over the space of about two years before I actually started. So, like, I did, like, maybe three or four spots over two years, but I used to watch, I used to go to um, at least two open mic nights every week just to watch others and just to um, learn. But I never I was really antisocial with the comedians. Yeah. Well, f- uh, fast forward to 2019 and you're on the gala. I saw you, I was um, mm. at my... Uh, wife's parents' place, and they they don't have internet, but they have um, the box that you record live tele- television. So I was like oh, yeah. pissed that we didn't have Netflix, and I was going through a back catalogue of what uh, what had been saved down, and I found your set at the gala, and I, it was fucking <laughs> really? amazing. I mean, that's in front oh, of how many you. people? There's probably fifteen hundred people. I mean, going from it's about two and a half, yeah. Yeah, sorry, mate. I, I cut it. That's that's a that's a dig. I just cut a thousand people out of your set. I mean, going from that sort of Dublin, you 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 don't you you you're standing up, you're giving it a crack to something like the gala. What goes into what you put into something and what you leave out? Because you only got five minutes, right? So how do you choose what you're going to leave oh, in? Mate, it was three minutes. It was so hard. Um, it was so hard, actually. I think that was probably the hardest set to write for that I've ever done because obviously it feels like there's so much at stake, you know. Um, I – do you know what's do you know what's funny about that joke in particular, actually? Like the, the joke that went viral from that, which was about um, my ginger boyfriend. Um, I had done um, Just for Laughs probably I think a couple of months beforehand and I'd written a set and sent it off to the editor's um, like just to make sure that they know where you're at, you know, like t- for timing and all that sort of stuff when it comes to filming. Um, and I hadn't written that joke yet, right? Anyway, the day of or the day before Just for Laughs, I came up with that joke and I went, that's really that's really funny. And, you know, like I had this whole thing of, you know, it brings people together and there's like this undercurrent of like why isn't it offensive to use a word like ranger against white people? You know, like I had this whole reason why I wanted to do it. And so I rocked up at Just for Laughs and I just said to the woman, I'm so sorry, but I've changed my mind about the script. Can I, you know, and she was like, okay. And I told her the joke. She went, yeah, that's really funny. Don't worry about it. Like, it'll be approved. You know, like you have to get it like approved uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so this I just is like went up and I did that. 
(laughs) (laughs) And so I I just, like, basically it was the first time I'd ever told it on stage um, that Just for Laughs was being recorded, like, filmed, and it just absolutely tore the roof off the place. And because I hadn't tested it before, I was like, okay, well, that's a, that's a good bit. And my manager was watching and she was like, what is this joke? This is great. And so when Gala came around, I was like, I better I use my best bits. And um, I just remembered that feeling of like just when your gut just knows that it's the thing to use. And I was like, all right, yeah. I'll do that. And then I thought, um, I was like, okay, I want to end it with something that's like a – uh, a point, like something that isn't necessarily funny, just a point. And um, I ended it with the line, look, all I'm trying to say is if we can't even get in the position to get in the position of reverse cowgirl, how the fuck are we going to get representation on screen? It was a joke about <laughs> Aboriginal porn. Um, and, yeah, I just I, I had this idea that I wanted to finish really, like, with this, like, I don't care if it's not that funny, it has mm-hmm. to have this real meaning and I knew the only other thing that I knew was that that joke had to go in it and then I just figured the rest out you know as, yeah. as, oh, as it, was a, it was a great set um, I read a review on on from a uh, Adelaide paper that says carefully balances the hard truths indigenous Australians face with tongue-in-cheek jokes and hilarious quips hilarious and informative I mean how much um, are you channeling your experience as an indigenous woman and saying I want to communicate to people to help them understand or help them see something is that your approach to the the contents as well man absolutely and like you know, when I first started comedy, like I remember um, kind of it would have been the end of 2013, end of 2000, uh, start of 2014, that I started doing more sets. And I had this thing in my mind. I was never, ever going to mention my heritage on stage. That was my thinking, right, because I was so scared, like absolutely shit scared for so many reasons that, one, people would say that I was only getting things because I was Aboriginal, like tokenism, um, I was really scared of receiving backlash and racism, and I was really scared that I would, that I didn't have the permission almost. And to mm. give you an idea of what I mean by that, um, so um, I know my people, I know my family, um, but I didn't grow up on country. And in fact, my mum made a very purposeful decision to raise us in Brisbane so that we had opportunities because she grew up on country and she said it was such a racist town. She, you know, and there was nothing there basically. What does it mean to be raised on country? Just you're surrounded by your culture and, you know, like everything, it feels like home. I mean, it's it's this weird thing because it's so, like, spiritual, you know, like you put your feet on your soil and you just know... Well, okay, the, the nicest, po- the poetic way that my auntie always says is you've got to step in your ancestors' footprints and leave your little footprints behind. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of, you know, there's been thousands and thousands and thousands of years of of people kind of looking a bit like me walking around up there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a big thing. Like I often have this feeling of missing home even though I didn't grow up there. It's a really odd thing to describe but... Um, and also there's just so much nuance that comes with being around your culture and the way that the blackfellas talk and, you know, no one whose auntie is 
you know, like knowing who she's related to or whatever it is. Oh, it's such a big family. And I think when you're away from it, oh, my God, the bird's back. Um, <laughs> he's just crawling up my leg right now. Um, when you're and away so from you, it, you can sort of miss that. And so if you're away, is there like a middle ground? Like I find it interesting sort of the the term – so is it you're either doing that or you're not or is there a middle ground of still being connected whilst being in- No, it's really it's really hard because it really is just about like I think the the big part is like the the nuance that you can't teach, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I always felt like a bit of a fraud because I knew that you know, I grew up in Brisbane, there was no black fellas here. Mm-hmm. I had no one to talk to that talked like me, so I didn't I didn't talk like ow oh. Albie's currently Chewing on yep. your ear. Back at it again. Fuck's yep. sake, this bird. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, but I didn't have anyone that talked that talked like my family. I didn't have anyone to talk to like that. And so, you know, like, I, I it, yeah, it was really weird. I, I just kind of felt like a fraud. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even though I, I recognised that mum had made those decisions so that we had all the best opportunities so that we could make changes and, you know, like... It, strive for things and that um when it came to doing comedy i was like man somebody's going to call me out somebody's going to say you're not black enough you don't get to talk about this i was shit scared um but then i kind of i recognized that actually that story my story is really common like it's a really really common story and it's like i have a unique um opportunity which is that i know my family, I've researched a lot about, like, I've looked in the archives, I've re- don't fucking, did you see that? He <laughs> bit me and I put my hand up and then he was like, uh, fuck off. <laughs> You're a shithead. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, so, so like, I, I, I researched a lot and I, I learned about the history of, of our family and, like, from a policy perspective, Especially, and that was actually the main reason why I was studying law and journalism was to to do a lot of advocacy work. And um, I just was like, after a little while, I went, "What am I? Why am I not talking about this on stage? Am I ashamed? Like, no, I'm not ashamed. And you know, this is a really common story. I'm, I'm, like, what what's going to happen? Somebody's going to say, "Oh, you're not black enough," and I'm going to go, "No, I know that. That's why I'm talking about these things. You know, like, yeah. it's my story. I'm not trying to tell." A story as if I know every story. I'm just mm. I can only ever be an expert on mine. You know. So when you're sorry, I know it's a long answer. Mm. That's great. There, your experiences, your belief system at play. What have you learnt about some of the stuff you may have thought was the way for yourself, and then when you've stepped into it, like being in front of you know nearly three thousand people, and and how capable you are. What have you felt about? Have you seen some internal shift on your side? Oh. Honestly, I think that comedy's probably. Oh my god, he's about to bite the cat! Oh, they're fighting. The cat and the bird are fighting. <laughs> yes. This is our Jesus first uh, fight. You are on such the show. a shit. You are such a terrible little shit. Oh, I know he's being cute. <laughs> this is like my son, anyway. Steph. I've got a three-year-old. This is exactly how oh, I really? feel to him. Yeah, he just came down. I nearly had to, you know. Tell him to, to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> Put him back in the screen. Get away from the headphones. <laughs> you can sit there. Good boy. Oh, that's a good, um, good bird. Yeah, yeah your, your personal shift in beliefs and what you're capable of. Talk us through that. 
I think that comedy has probably been the most empowering way for me to learn about culture. Like I, I've I've been so incredibly lucky. When I did Deadly Funny, and um, which is a, a competition that is run by the Melbourne Comedy Festival um, for Indigenous comedians, um, that was honestly the most amazing thing because I got to meet um, strong, staunch, you know, empowered, confident Aboriginal comedians who talked about all of the things that you could do with that platform. Mm. I felt so absolutely overwhelmed by that, you know, and I I got to meet Kevin Crepinuri who is my biggest mentor in the world and he kind of, I, t- I talked to him about, you know, look, I, I've always, the reason why I, I'm so, I always tell people I'm Aboriginal is because I really, I feel it, you know, like I really identify with that within me. I, I feel those ties. I, I'm so much like so much of my family. I look like all of my family. Um, and I feel like, you know, because I grew up in Brisbane and there's not that many blackfellas, I could have just pretended I had a tan, but it's never felt like that's never been right for me, you know? And so he kind of, he really helped me talk about like what it meant to be Aboriginal, what that kind of identity, where that identity comes from, the the spirituality behind it, the the, the culture, the, you know, kind of all of those things and gave me a lot of confidence that I could talk about it. And um, when he did, I started saying, well, look, you know, the most amount of research that I've done is a lot of it's based on policy and politics and law and history. Um, and I just want to show people what people don't realise is that, like, you know, we'll we'll happily. Oh, for fuck's sake! I put my hand in shit again. Um, <laughs> people are people are so good at having empathy when it comes to like a an individual situation, right? Like they go, "Oh yeah, but you can see why he's like that because X, Y, Z." And then what always infuriated me was like, uh, "How can you not see?" that the state that we're at right now in Australia, as far as like the division between Aboriginal Australia and Australia is because of X, Y, Z that's happened. And this is how short the history is. And, you know, the, like how have people never kind of put those things together and gone, yeah, this, these attitudes lead to these policies. These policies are only like 45 years old, which means those attitudes still exist how the fuck do we break out of that? And so I just thought, well, if you can make people laugh about it, you can make them fucking think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take the scary out of it. So it was a huge long answer. Uh, so going, sorry. It's super interesting. Like going back to that uh, first time where you're standing up and you've got sort of that Dutch courage of, you know, a, a bit mm. of booze to going up uh, without that and preparing and actually like mm. the um, – the conscious state of doing it, was that a learning to be able to do it in a way where you've got jokes and you've got a set list and you're working through material? Yeah. Oh, big time. And especially because like, you know, kind of, it sounds a bit arrogant, but I've always just been the funny one in my groups and that. Like Mm -hmm. I'm being quite serious now, I'm sorry. But, you know, like I'm I'm, I'm kind of the, like I'm like the funny one and was making people laugh and all that sort of thing. And it's, it's really interesting because it's like, when it comes to my material about being black, like it's really thought through and it's really considered, whereas 
everything else I can sort of just come up with on the spot, you know. Mm-hmm. But I really yeah. want to make sure that there's like a really well thought out like message behind everything. Um, but yeah, it's been really empowering because every time that I write a joke like that, I have to ask myself a list of questions about okay, what could somebody say to this or what could somebody say to that or am I going to mm. cop hate for this or am I going to cop hate for that and how am I going to respond to this or that? Um, which, by the way, I think is um, something that as a general rule white comedians don't need to do. But anyway, that's like that's not a that's neither here nor there. Um, is it a protective mechanism questions. Or, or like is it mm. based on sort of you've got an audience that for the most part isn't very educated in sort of aboriginal culture and just all of this stuff and so then do, is it is it you having to work to get to a baseline of audience understanding like do you think that there's an evolution in the comedy where it starts with the education piece and then um it yeah. moves on to other stuff or do you think that the advocacy is always a part of what you do I mean, yeah, like I think it's always a part of what I do, but there is definitely an element of like of educating people and um, like you have to. I mean, there's just so much misinformation and misrepresentation and, you know, it's kind of, it's just, it's like, it's funny because like I've always known and been staunch. Like, all my friends have always known I'm Aboriginal. I always stand up for things, you know. But I had this funny thing happen where like obviously after school I started doing comedy I had this girl from high school reach out to me and go, like, I just wanted to let you know, um, I didn't know you were Aboriginal, but I recognise that your family's really had a struggle. Are you watching the bird? He's being a fuck with <laughs> um, You know, like, I'm sure that your people have really had a struggle. And I thought, who the fuck sends this? Like, it's a nice... Sounds like a DM. Thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's a nice thought, but it's like, it's just like, that's kind of, that she would only think that. Mm-hmm because she found out that I was Aboriginal or something like that. I don't, I don't know. So you have to educate. But then you got then you just got to fucking laugh. I mean, that's yeah. funny. You know what I mean? And also like, it's like there's a level of with. shame. There's a level of shame that people are feeling and they don't know what to do with with mm-hmm. their shame. Have you have you worked? Is it, is it shame about how they sound? Because that, that impersonation, <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, sound exactly. like a fuckwit. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a um, yeah, it's like if if you have talking about that system or the belief system or if everything's being built on something, yeah. we're all walking around for the most part pretty unconscious to the reality of the systems and all of that that type of stuff. Yeah. For you, how much is shame a part of the comedy that you do? Oh, my God, it's probably the bit. I think it is the funniest thing in the world because one of the biggest issues that we have, I think, is that people are so afraid to say the wrong thing or to ask the wrong questions because, I mean, you know, humans, we don't like difficult things. Mm -hmm. It's hard to have communication about stuff if you feel like you will say the wrong thing. So, and even, even to like, you know, well, I mean, especially through the government, but like, it's, it's like everyone's so scared of saying the wrong thing. They just won't ask the question. They'll just fill the gaps themselves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. And there's just something so funny about watching people, struggling to ask a question. It's like, mm-hmm. ask questions. It's the only way you fucking learn. Yeah, yeah. Stop forgetting, like, stop thinking about your fucking ego mm-hmm. and think about, mm-hmm. like, progress starts with you letting your ego go, you know, mm-hmm. and asking questions to actually get, you know, like a well-rounded idea of things. But I think I think white guilt and shame, those are the funniest. I mean, literally, there is there is 
I can't think of anything that I find genuinely as funny as watching somebody struggle. Like, <laughs> fuck me, Dad. I saw this thing. And, like, I'm not giving shit to anyone. You, you're allowed to identify however you want to identify. But I just, I don't, I can't explain why I knew what the case was, right? But I was at this um, NADOC gig <laughs> and there's this woman who, for, for all intents and purposes, looked like a white woman, right? And she had platinum blonde hair and a lot of Botox, a lot of um, filler and all that sort of thing. But I just got the impression she'd obviously just done like a like a genetic, like an ancestry test, right, mm-hmm. and has seen in there that she's got some Indigenous heritage and like has just gone, that's who I am now um, because it like it was just the most, the least woke and most awkward thing I've ever seen anyone do. There's black flowers everywhere, right? We're, mm-hmm. at, we're at NADOC. And there's this stall with, like, um, you know, I don't know, like, T-shirts and stuff like that. And she's got this kid, blonde hair, blue eyes, and she looks up and it was like she wanted everyone to hear her. (laughs) She goes, look, it's some of your Wiradjuri cousins. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just the ignorance that it is, one, she's just assumed everyone's Wiradjuri. Mm -hmm. Two... She's, like, waiting until everyone's looking at her to be like, I'm one of you, you know? Like, it was just it was just so awkward and it was, like, it was this weird thing of, like, yeah, she probably has got heritage, which is great, and she can, she can absolutely own that and claim that and that's exciting. We've got to, I mean, we've got to fucking, like, boost our, you know, representation and population, right? But it was just that she, <laughs> it's some of your Wiradjuri to a whole group of straight. It was just fucking funny. Because she obviously still had that guilt and it was just, yeah. it was funny. And it's, people just do stupid shit. People don't know how to be when they feel awkward. Yeah. And, and it's the you, one thing that universally makes people awkward. How do you reconcile, because I remember hearing the description of um, uh, the cof- uh, tea or coffee and it's like it doesn't matter how much milk or whatever you put into it, like um, your Aboriginal, mm. your Aboriginal or, or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess there's an element of that. Like what's the, how do you, I guess there's prejudice potentially even internally or from a from a community perspective. What Fuck are the bits? Eyes. And so how do you how do you work through that being from the outside it's a funny thing but also mm. if you take the fillers out of it you take out the blunt like there is an element of it which there is uh, some some level of understanding around it. Do you know what I'm sort of saying? I'd like- the, oh, absolutely. But that's that's the thing. Like, I, I was like, the reason why it was so funny to me was because if she had to do it for everyone to, like, she was, yeah. it was very ego-driven, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I fucking it was a love oh, yeah. that she, exactly. Yeah. And that's what made it funny because it was like, well, this is all, you've, you've, you've fucked up. Like, yeah. do more research before you want to do your performance to show, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But, no, I, I fucking love that she came to NADOC with her child. Like, number one, whether she was white, black, red, blue, I mm-hmm. don't give a fuck. That is so special. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is, you know what, this is a particularly difficult area within our communities, I think, is that the – and you can understand why, I guess. Like, so, for example, my mum is very dark-skinned, right, and I'm sure that – that if I said to her, oh, we've had the same struggle, she'd be like, uh, no, we fucking ain't, you know yeah. what I mean? Because <laughs> because there's no way that 
I, I have a level of inbuilt um, uh, privilege, I guess, mm -hmm. that comes with being lighter skin than she will ever have. However, you could also argue that I lack that privilege because I live in two worlds and nobody, mm. like people around me don't quite let me identify with either fully, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, yeah. whereas she can. Um, but when it comes to that, that next kind of line or level, I just don't think it's enough. I think, I think the problem is if somebody uh, identifies but has no contact with um, family, doesn't know the name of their... Oh, but even then, that's it, it's so difficult. Yeah. I think well, if you've got like the stolen generation, like I guess where it gets hard exactly. is it's like if you don't know, if you don't know exactly. this stuff, that's where it gets really hard. I mean, the generational thing is interesting because it doesn't matter fucking what culture you come from. There's always every generation, like the old, the older uh, generation is always saying, you know, you guys are going to fucking easy or like we had like that's like yeah, that's, yeah, that's across the board, right? Um, yes, that, it, that I just. I wish I'd prepped a little bit more because I, I do have thoughts on this because I think mm. I feel really bad for um, people who've only just found out about found out about their heritage later in life, right? Mm. That would be so difficult because, you know, you know that there's something different about you, you want to explore it, but you've also had all of the privileges of growing up without ever knowing, mm -hmm. So if that makes sense. So you've yeah. never had to feel that level of prejudice or that level of, of identity until you get to that point, that identity struggle mm. until you get to that point, whatever it is. And so you can see why there's like a bit of resistance from from the community. But at the same time, we should absolutely be arms wide open welcoming mm -hmm. all of these people because we want to bring people together. We want our culture to be shared. And, and you know, I think it's exciting that, I, it's it's. I think it's really touching when somebody goes. Oh, I just do this ancestry thing, and, and we've got indigenous heritage. I want to find out everything about it. It's like, mm -hmm. fuck yeah, that's awesome. But if they had been racist before, or if they mm -hmm. hadn't given yeah. a shit before, you go. Well, now this feels shit. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. So it's it's. I think it's a really hard line. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. As a comedian, using humor to communicate, you know, messages, um, and then something around something as sensitive as. Uh, Aboriginal culture is there people within the community that are offended by some of the uh, ways that you deliver some of the stuff that you're talking about big time um, I've avoided it pretty well up until recently um, and it's so hard like I've, I've just taken a little bit of time off performing at the moment actually to um, just to build my strength because you know it's so hard to receive criticism from within your own community and it's hard to know when it's kind of just a differing of opinion or when it's something that you've crossed a, you know, sort of like cultural protocol. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's almost impossible to know where that line is. So, um, for example, I wrote uh, a joke, I wrote a couple of jokes where I've used offensive words that people have used against me and highlighted them to show something funny or to show. So I've got a joke, for example. I don't know if I should. Can I tell a joke here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, we're no, no joke um, policy. <laughs> <laughs> we're also no become laughing. the same person after 800 yeah. years. <laughs> Predictable as fuck. Um, so I've got this. Oh, my God. Albie, stop it. 
get off me. Oh, for fuck's sake. Sorry. He's, he's a little shit, this bird. Oh, there it is. Oh, it's really got a hold of your head, back of the head. Yeah, exactly. Fuck off. <laughs> Can we do a montage of you oh. yelling at Albie for Instagram? Are you cool with I that? fucking love this. Please do. I fucking love this bird, though. He's so cute. He's a little shit. Um... <laughs> um, yeah, so the joke. Yeah, so I've got this joke, for example, right? So it's it's really stupid. I go, look, I, I, I don't like... It's like sort of halfway through a show where I've kind of spoken about how shit policy is and that. I go, look, I don't hate white people. Um, I just hate people who do Kentucky tours. And then <laughs> I go on this <laughs> and I say, you know, um, if you... Because I feel like people who do Kentucky tours... You're not about experiencing a country. You're not trying to learn the culture, learn the language um, or grow or experience things. You're just collecting countries for the sake of collecting countries. You know, like people who say, like, oh, we did Europe. And I'm like, well, fuck, I can't go now because it's been done. Um, and then, <laughs> um, but then so I go, look, if you want to collect countries, if that's what this is about for you, then... Uh, and you want to feel cultured, then oh, it's time to tell you it's really cool. Australia has like 500 countries. So why don't you just learn a little bit about um, Aboriginal Australia and you can be in one city and go through like three different countries. In fact, I might start my own company, call it Coom Tiki Tours. Um, now, obviously, <laughs> that joke works on the fact that we build up to this bit, you're laughing along, and then I go like fucking bam, right? Mm. Because using that word is... For my phone's ringing. Please don't ring me. Sorry. Um, uh, it works up to that point um, where it's a bit of a shock factor of like, mm-hmm. kind of like, let's just remember that people are still using this word. Like, mm. and then so I then tell the story of why I do that joke, which is that I had written that, <clears throat> I'd written that piece because I thought that was quite a, a clever joke you know, kind of telling people to to um, to take in countries and blah, 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 you know, whatever. And then the, the Kuntiki bit was supposed to snap people back in. But I was really torn when I wrote the joke. So I spoke to a friend of mine, another comedian, and I said, hey, look, so this is the joke, and the reason why I'm doing this is to basically say, um, if you're shocked, just remember we've got the cheese on the shelf or, you know, whatever it is. And she was like, oh, my God, Steph, of course you can say it. I was like... She thinks so. And she goes, yeah, well, you can say it because you are one. And I was like, fuck, this is exactly why this joke exists, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then I, I extended the joke to sort of get to that point and then explain how my friend said, you can tell that joke, as in I can say that word because I am one, which I think is super offensive and missed the point, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like that joke, though, is going to cop a lot of black from my community because I'm using a word that has been used to keep us down. And it's mm-hmm. like the point of using it is for something much bigger than that. Do you know what I mean? Um, but there's always going to be differing opinions on whether you can use a word purely for shock value to prove a point or whether using that word at any point kind of... Um, <laughs> Uh, to, like undermines progress or whatever. So that's probably my easiest example of of it mm-hmm. is using words to 
yeah. And and then and then the question is that I had to kind of make up in my head, and and it's a really hard sort of question to make, uh, hard question to answer is what audience am I performing for, and mm. um, am I performing for an indigenous audience? Am I performing for an um, and a white audience and unfortunately it's like oh, you know I would love to say I'm performing for both but there are areas where you know you would have to change something quite a lot to fit in this world and and fit in this world and so I'm very lucky that I have um I, I tour with the Aboriginal comedy all-stars and when I tour with them I talk black you know like I talk differently it's all good um and talk in a vernacular that I certainly wouldn't talk with a white audience with um, but I also had to try and get myself used to or okay with the fact that I am essentially writing for a white audience and um, is that also okay? So it's very complicated, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. Um, self-development and things like that, you're talking about looking after yourself. What does, um, I was watching one of your videos, uh, what does learning to love myself uh, mean to you? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't fucking learned it yet. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know if it's learning to love myself, just fucking forgiving myself. Like, I'm a very forgiving, open sort of person with other people and, you know, I recognise you can make mistakes and still continue to grow and, and and get better and I think, you know, I'll hold myself to every mistake that I've ever made, even the little awkward faux pas that I've made and, and never forgive myself for them or never move on from them. I just, I think that's all part of learning to love myself is just, Letting that shit go and just remembering I'm a human, I'm just like everyone else, and perfection isn't real. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, and you you spoke yeah. about um uh, Twitter and uh, building out a bit of a uh, a playlist. Oh my god, this is so embarrassing. So okay, so I when I first set up my YouTube account, um, I, I was because I wanted to upload something. I didn't realize I had switched it on so it would automatically upload to Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like, so that when I was putting out little bits, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's a good idea. Um, well, little did I know that fucking everything that I did on YouTube was going to be shared on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So I made this playlist when I was in a really bad way. It was like um, learning to love myself or something. And it was just full of, like, fucking pop psychology videos of, like, tell yourself you're worth it. You know, like, all of this sort of shit. And I saved, as I was saving them into this playlist to watch later, little did I know every single time I put one in the playlist... It was putting it out on Twitter. <laughs> I was like 20 videos of like, um, uh, learn how to deal with self-doubt. Um, Steph has just put learning how to deal with self-doubt into learning how to love myself. How fucking embarrassing. <laughs> so all tweeting, like as separate tweets, when I saw it, I fucking deleted them all. And I was like, oh, my God. I think I would have preferred if I, for some reason, was like making a porn playlist or some shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, Did anyone hell. reach out and say, uh, baby, you all right? What's you're, going you're on? Okay. No, I wish. Was, this isn't funny. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah. no, no, that, I, I think that's the thing. If somebody had been like, lol, that would have been way better. But the fact that everyone was just kind of like, well, she's obviously going through something. We'll just ignore that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. oh, gross. What happens with um, friendship circles with like becoming a comedian? Do you all of a sudden, do you start all hanging out and, you know? Or, or, or do, you, do you, like with comedians, comedians. like, are, yeah, you're hanging out all no the time. I have no comedian or, friends. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think no, that is? I don't is? really have any comedian friends because I'm a fucking loser. Um, <laughs> no, it's because I, I have no middle ground. I'm really strange. I'm either really serious or really, really 
fucking not, and it just depends what mood you get me in. Um, no, I don't know. I'm I'm quite shy actually, and it's it's weird to say that because I am. Um, ow. I'm loud and stuff, but I'm I'm just quite sure. You deserve that one, Steph. Um, sorry, you had your face on <laughs> Aldi. Albie, Albie, Albie. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Good troll. <laughs> and so um, you said you're serious, or you're the other way. Um, mm. In terms of your friendship circle, your close friendship circle. If you're not sort of in that commu- uh, comedian bubble, what does your friendship mm. circle look like? I'm like the um, you come to me when you need nurturing and advice. Mm-hmm. I'm the mum, or not not even the mum, because I'm really, really fucking unreliable and disorganised, so I'm definitely not the mum. But, like, I'm the... <laughs> um, I'm, like, the shoulder, I guess. Mm. So, yeah, sort of the... Um, I've been broken up with. Steph talked me through it. Mm-hmm. And I'll come, you know, pick you up, give you a big cuddle, play some music and have a sing-along and then say he's not even worth it, you know. All of that shit. <laughs> what have you learnt about yourself during um, 2020 and everything that's gone down? Um, I've learnt that I'm resilient um, and that uh, that I work a lot harder than I ever gave myself credit for. And I'm really proud of that um, because I, I was literally, there was, there was a couple of weeks there where I was doing about 10 flights a week, um, wow. but usually flying at least... Like out of out of um, at interstate or out of Brisbane, at least three days every week, um, and so at least I used to I was doing probably on average about four or five flights a week. Wow! Um, and it was so busy, and um, I just kind of felt like I wasn't working hard because I enjoyed doing what I was doing, um, if that makes sense. Mm. But yeah. as soon as the lockdown started. It was like I was hit with a wave of serious fatigue. I realised I was a bit burnt out. And I actually realised I had a lot of um, health problems that I'd been pushing aside as well. Um, and I was really worried that I was I lost a lot of uh, gigs that were supposed to give money. And so when I lost those, I was like, well, I'm not going to get through. But I found ways around it. And then I found ways to sort of promote myself to a different... Um, audience obviously I think that like business to business and corporates are fine during this time so I realized that I was going to have to start marketing myself in a very different way and um, try different things hence Mm. the writing and um, looking at writing very like long form stuff and um, I'm really proud of that because I didn't think I could do that. I think it's a a perspective a lot of people have gained is that they're on this hill going upwards and it seemed like in hindsight once you have to stop that you're you were going to tip over at one point and fall down and yeah. so it's like that working hard burnout it's like you yeah looking back now it's like you're going to get there and then it's like uh you know grace of god we got this reset and stillness forced upon us Absolutely. now you get a bird on your shoulder and you're living the life yeah <laughs> Absolutely, it's actually been such a blessing, even though it's been a pain in the ass. Um, it definitely, there was a lot of, yeah, a lot of things that I think I hadn't done. I, you know, like uh, to the point where I guess, um, they, you know, like, the, oh, hey, hey, hey. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, here we Sounded go. like a dog, but it was the bird. 
I accidentally hit him. I didn't mean to. He just <laughs> ripped his hand underneath yeah. my... Stop it! Albie! Step up. Step up, step up. Great one. Another oh, one sorry. for the montage. Albie. That was good. This bird, step honestly... Up. I'm going to start saying that to you now, Josh. Yes, step up. Step up. Step up, JJ. Albie. Do you think he knows what he step up means? He thinks he's the boss of me. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but he's not doing it. Albie. Step up. There we go. There we go. Now go away. Have you tried not saying step up and just doing what you're doing with your hand? Like I wonder if it's more the hand being under his feet that gets him to step up rather than saying yeah, it. Yeah, it is. But we had to. We trained him with food, so now okay, he knows yeah, what sure. you say. Okay. Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> go away. Um, Steph, to, to finish kick. us off, Sorry. Um, 20, 2020 or, you know, the rest of it into 2021, what is what is your new approach if going back to the old way was causing some issues or it wasn't so that you weren't um, being mindful on how crazy it was for you? Um, I think just got to prioritise things um, and also um, put more value on certain things as well. So, like, if I go, yes, I just say yes to everything um, and maybe I can't do as well as I'd like to on all of things, you know, on everything then. I think I just need to be like, no, this is what I'm going to say yes to, this is what I'm going to say no to. If it's something that I think is difficult for me, maybe I'll just ask to put the value up of it, you know, like just just Mm -hmm. kind of just giving myself an opportunity to say no to things um, and understanding that that may mean that other things need to change and being okay with that. Makes a lot of sense. Steph, uh, thank you for coming on the show and, and dealing with no, Albie. No, I'm sorry, it was so weird. Oh, f- <laughs> it's fucking bird, man. I thought I loved this bird. I don't think I like this bird anymore. <laughs> do, you, do you want to sell Albie? We can, we can, we can what, put up. What would you pay for Albie? I want to. <laughs> what, 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 what is a bird? A grand. Cost? A grand. Wow. Yes. Where's the cage? Like, I mean, he came with the cage. Okay, so, but, so you're paying for the cage. What do you reckon the cage came out of? 150 for the cage. Yeah, a bird is fucking expensive, man. What is it? And Do you have a permit guy. for a bird? Yeah, we got a permit. Really? Fuck off. And so what? Yeah. And then he's, can he fly away or no? He's got like he's... Probably. He's got his, <laughs> his wings clipped, although okay. we have to wait for him to ride a little bit further. He's only a baby. Um, what do they actually do? How do? What are the wings clipped? What do they actually do? Or is it a bit graphic? Exactly what it sounds um, like. Wait, the, you, yeah, but he's, the bottom... you can still see his wings though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you pull them out... Uh-huh. They're like you just clip just the the very 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 bottom of the last two ones and it just kind of unstabilizes them. Makes me feel really guilty. Albie, that's why he's pissed off. Nah. He is pissed off. <laughs> thank you for coming on. Can you, you just very quickly before you go? No, guys, what, what's you. The, what's the snowman? So the the snowman on the tattoo, the snowman bit. Why is it a snowman? It started snowing outside when I was at the tattoo shop. Okay. <laughs> I thought maybe you meant. And I went, "Fucking why not?" Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate. Oh, that. thanks, guys. Sorry awesome. that I was a bit of a weirdo. I'm no, that's great. It's awesome. And so, All if right. people want to get involved and watch your stand up, are you doing stuff online, or how can people follow along? Yeah, I will. So I've um, I'm doing things a little bit differently to others. I think um, I've got a Patreon that I've set up, and it's basically I'm really. Um, open. I've got a really lovely community. We just talk and very open. It's kind of about, you know, I guess we, we talk about 
mental health. We talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I also post sketches up there, a um, whole bunch of stuff. I'd love people to have a look at my Patreon. Um, I also uh, have a special coming out very soon, okay. um, which is basically it's like it gets live. It's like it's streamed live for the first time that it's ever been shown. We filmed it last year. First time it's ever been shown, and I watch it with you guys. Okay. And then there's Just a Q and A session at the end. <laughs> but basically, I've not, I've not seen it from start to finish, so I don't know. It's weird. Oh, that's exciting. Um, and then there's like a, a Q and A session at the end, uh, which I'm bringing my friends and family to, and they're gonna fucking roast me. So. Oh, that's um, great. <laughs> Just great, but like from just like will LB in, be in the there? Room, Surely Albie's gonna be. Yeah, there. probably. Yeah, he'll be fucking there. <laughs> <laughs> and also, also, um, I will reveal my ginger boyfriend. He's never ever let me put him uh, on okay. line or take pictures with him because he's real shy. Oh, great, that's great. And he's not even that ginger anymore, by the way. His mum came around recently and went. You've almost completely lost all of your gingerness. So now I feel like I'm fake, but he was. Nah. Make him diet happened. back. Yeah, Make definitely. him go back. <laughs> diet ginger. <laughs> Bring back the ging. Yeah, let's get the hashtag going. Right, thanks, Dave. Right, it's, uh, oh, you guys are the best. It's a daily talk thanks, show. Mate. Have a good one. See you guys.